Michael, this is all very confusing. So remote work isn't the only thing that's really been demanded though since, since sort of this, this power shift has taken place, right? It's higher salaries, better benefits, more vacation time. Just honestly, I, I feel like uh, the amount of sort of odd requests is just weird, weird sort of one-off requests or, or questions that I've gotten from um, from applicants over the years have, have gotten stranger and more specific. Um, you know, people sort of have this idea at this point that it's like, I want to have the perfect job that's perfect for me. It's perfect for how I want to, you know, the hours I want to work, where I want to work, how I want to dress, the flavor of coffee that, that is ready for me, <laughs> right? It's like, if they don't get exactly what they want, they move on to, on to the next, um, which is kind of weird. But back to sort of the original topic here, there's been a lot of debate that that's changing, right? So September 5th, which is coming up what, in a couple of days, Apple has announced that their employees need to return to the office on September 5th, I think for at least three days a week. Um, a few months ago, May 31st, Elon Musk and Tesla said, return to the office. If you're not here, we're going to assume you you resigned. That's it. No ifs, ands, or buts. Companies like Netflix, FreshDirect, Wayfair, Stripe, Oracle, Shopify, Warby Parker, StubHub, Lyft. I mean, I could go on and on and on, all announcing layoffs. It does appear that that there is going to be a, an, an impending shift um, of leverage back to the employer. But that being said, I haven't particularly noticed that in the interviews that I've done as of late. Blair, what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, you're in a different industry. The financial services market is still very hot, is still candidate scarce. There are other industries that have changed. The best way I could probably put this that would be in an entertaining way to put this for a podcast is I grew up in small towns. I grew up in Stillwater, Oklahoma and Abilene, Texas. Uh, I always thought I was a pretty good looking guy. Uh, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and I felt hideous. I felt like just, I was like, what is wrong with me? Um, it's because there was just a lot better looking competition, you know, in, uh, in, in Scottsdale, Arizona, than, than I was able to match with my energy and looks. And so it was a sobering event for me. Well, the job market is the same way. There are some industries that are blowing and going. Uh, financial services, like a lot of really successful financial advisors who I recruit for, they doubled their business in 2020 and 2021. And so they needed more help with operations. They needed help with marketing. They needed help with client service. They needed all this help because they had a rash of new AUM to manage or, or, uh, or clients. And so there was this huge pent up demand in, in our industry specifically that the four of us share in financial services that still has not worked its way out of the system. So yeah, nothing has changed in our world. I will tell you, I moon. Uh, I tried to moonlight. There's this. Uh, there's this civil engineering company that hires me every once in a while because I went to Texas A&M, so they just assume I know uh, a lot of engineers, and uh, and they're right, I do. But uh, but they had a water and wastewater uh, engineer that they needed a project manager for in Dallas Fort Worth. I called. I don't know, easy, easily fifty five of them that you know on paper looked exactly like what they're looking. 
they rejected me before I even got to compensation. There's like, nope, I'm happy. I'm taken care of. You know, I work on fun projects. Like they wouldn't even let me get to compensation. I'm like, eventually, like on the 50th one, I was like, dude, don't you even want to hear compensation? And and he, he goes, Blair, everything in the engineering world is pegged to each other. I assume you would have led with that if, if compensation was unusual. The fact that you didn't lead with it just makes me think it's industry standard and I ain't leaving for industry standard. So there is there was just no movement in that industry. I couldn't get one person to even get that far into the conference. So they're suffering even more than us. Every single person I talked to in that industry and uh, you know in, uh, in that engineering field, they were like, yeah, I get called by recruiters like two or three times a week. Like, I know you're hiring. Everyone's hiring. We're trying to hire. We can't find anybody. So there are some industries that it is not flipped at all. But I understand like uh, my peers that recruit in construction, my, my peers that recruit in IT, um, they feel like it's gone back to, you know, the, the normal way of doing business, which is the candidates are happy to, to hear a new opportunity and, and to discuss a new opportunity. In our world that, that the four of us walk around in every day, it ain't that way yet. It's still very much candidates have a, uh, have a lot of leverage. Uh, give you an example. Five years ago, three years ago, anything pre-COVID, someone who had one year of being a financial advisor and had acquired a Series 7, it was a big yawn fest. Who cares? Like, yeah, whatever. Everyone, you know, everyone can get a Series 7. I, I've got people, like, we did a search in Chicago. A guy had one year and didn't even have success. He was just middling around as a financial advisor. He had five offers. People were bidding to get this guy. Like, it was insane. Um and, and he was just, you know, a, you know, he wasn't like fitting a, um, a diversity hire. You know, he wasn't fitting anything particular. It, it was just like, how, how much can we pay this guy to get him over? It's like, well, are we all lost our friggin' minds? <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, I mean, people are just desperate for financial advisors, you know. So it's, it's, it's you yeah, know, we're, we're, the four of us are in a weird industry. So it hasn't flipped for us at all. Man, so anybody listening that's thinking about a career change, maybe, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. financial advisor in Chicago. Yeah, you don't even need a license, to apparently. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it can be a little crazy. And of course, all those people are like, hey, can I work from home? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, you know. <laughs> so of all the changes that you've seen, do you, what do you think's permanent? What do you think will not go back to the way it was? No, for sure. The technology side, the, the, the Zoom, I think a lot of uh, it saves so much time for people to knock out first interviews, uh, things of that nature. So I think the tech side of the interview process is definitely here to stay. Um, and, and to my point earlier, it'll only get better. Um, I, think, I think hybrid work is probably here to stay. Uh, when you said Apple's kind of insisting people come back at least three days, um, you know, I'm beginning to see that um, with you know, sharing offices and they can get smaller footprint, but have people in on rotating schedules. Uh, so I think the hybrid work is probably here to stay. Those are the two things that come to mind, depending on how long inflation sticks around, uh, increasing salaries and, and things of that nature will probably be, you know, a, a trend we'll see for a while for sure, because that had held steady for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden, uh, it was like people were like, "No, I, I can't afford you know to live on that anymore. I need this." And after firms were looking around trying to find people with the old compensation levels and having no success, 
then they, they finally began to move and, and, and kind of begin to pay people more. So I don't know how long that trend will last, but, uh, you know, that probably largely depends on inflation. A couple of things that came to mind through this conversation I was thinking of is, you know, I've, I've been working from home now for uh, way, way, way too long. And I'm somewhere probably in the middle of Remy and Mike on this issue because everything to me depends, right? So I, I think that if you want to grow a business, I don't think it's possible to do it remotely. I think you can sustain a business remotely. That's perfectly fine. But growing one, I think it's tough. And you do lose something being at home. Uh, the, for me per, specifically, uh, you know, my wife will come in my office every once in a while and be like, you need to get out. Like, I, you haven't seen the sun in two days. Go outside go talk to somebody, things of that nature. And I catch myself doing that a lot. But at the same time, there is an advantage. You know, uh, I do a lot of writing. And, you know, when I, for example, when I travel down to Tampa and I'm in the office all week, I'm usually up till two in the morning trying to write something for my Friday weekly at my hotel room because you can't get that type of work done in an office environment. Because you're right, Mike, you, people are coming in, talking, you chatting. And, and it's good. It's good for camaraderie and culture, but it's, it could be disastrous for, for productivity at times. So I, I see it both sides of it. I really do. You look, I, I wake up early in the morning, right? I, I, I wake up about 5, 5.30. You know, I, I can't go back to sleep. I get up. You know, I look at my prior day's emails I hadn't gotten to. I answer them. There's maybe some presentation I've got to go through, you know, a client's plan or something I've got to update. And I do get a lot more work done, you know, sitting at... at the island in my kitchen having a cup of coffee, you know, in that couple hours in the morning that I do during the course of the day. So there's, there's no question about that, but I don't, I just, I think there'd be so much missing if I didn't, you know, at, at eight o'clock go to the office. So, you know, maybe there's a combination there. Yeah. It's interesting you say that Mike, because one of the things you said earlier, I thought was actually kind of true. There's almost kind of like a laziness component to the, let's just make fun of the millennials because it's easy. Uh, you, know, you think about, let's say you're like a, you know, you're a junior banker or a junior software developer, you know, Blair, somebody you'd hire right out of school, but has a decent education and has a lot of drive, right? Now you can code anywhere. You could write software code at home. You could do it in, in a coffee shop, wherever. But my point is if you want a career, not a job, but a career, why wouldn't you want to be in that office being around people that have 20, 30 years experience that could help you do things that would take you weeks to learn on your own. And they could do it in, in a matter of minutes. So, so I, to me, it's like if you want a career in something and you want to learn from the older generations, you, the, the, the idea of working from home would, would, would sound miserable to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm not thinking about this the right way. So I think to both of your points, actually, it depends on the person and I think it depends on the role and it depends on the industry that you're in. Um, I had the rare experience, I guess, um, this is a few years before the pandemic, I spent 12 months traveling around the world with 50 other people who were all working remotely. So I got to, to see, you know, sort of firsthand what it looked like, 50 different people, uh, you know, I don't know how many different industries, different roles, you know, everything from accounting to coding to somebody that was actually a paralegal, um, you know, all, all different industries. So I got to sort of see how that played out over the course of a year. I will say that different industries for certain have a lot more advanced technology to, um, to accommodate this, right? And so Tino, you brought up the coding um, example. If I'm a coder right now, there's tech in place where I can code on a team of 20, 30, 40 people, right? And, and I can just open up my browser and we can code together. 
right? So just like we're doing this pod together, you know, I mean, right now uh, there's, there's four of us on this pod and all four of us are in a different state, right? But yet we can do it together. And it's the same thing with, um, you know, with coding. I mean, you, you jump on, if I get stuck, I jump on with two or three other coders. I can see the, the code screen, which is shared by all three of us or all four of us, and we code together and I learn, right? So, you know, you still get that, that um, dynamic of being able to work with people and to learn from people and all of those things, while yet everybody might be in different states or even different countries. Whereas I did see, you know, other industries that were light years behind in, um, tech and, and ours has been one for many years. I mean, not so much anymore, but, but it has been right where, you know, you don't have the, the luxury of having a technology, which, which brings people together. So, you know, I think that's a, uh, plays a big factor. I also think that the type of person you are plays a big factor, right? If you're the type of person that wants to work remotely because you don't really want to work that hard, you know, you're probably not going to be that successful. If you're the type of person that it doesn't matter where you are, you're probably going to put in 12, 13 hours of work and that's just who you are. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. You're putting in the work, you're putting the hours, you're talking to the right people, you're doing the things you need to do. So both to your point and to Mike's point, you know, yeah, I can see it both ways. I think it's it's not necessarily a, a general statement one way or another that it can or cannot be successful. I think there are so many variables in that that, that really sort of determine what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, I remember I uh, I didn't recruit for him, but he was a um, he was a branch manager of a Merrill Lynch in Dallas, and he had been at this really high performing office, and he came over to take over this lower performing office, but that had a lot of AUM. And he and I were working out together. We were at a conference. We were working out together, and we were just kind of shooting the bull. And I said, "So, what's your first what's your first move?" And he said, the first thing that you have to realize, Blair, is that you'll never learn to run a four-minute mile unless you run with people who are capable of running a four-minute mile. I've got a bunch of people who are used to running eight-minute miles, and that's just all they do. They just think that that's competitive. The first thing I have to do is bring in someone who can run a four-minute mile. And the people who are competitive will start competing with that person. And so that, I don't know how you share that you know, remotely, but if you can figure it out through tech, how to get that peer intervention and have the rabbit run out and have the competitive people chase them, then you can figure some things out. So coding might be a job where we could all be on this Zoom and we're all kind of talking to each other and we're coding. But if you have an outbound sales role, I can't talk to you guys all day and then also recruit people, you know, to your firm, right? So I think it's role by role by role, and then you, it's personality by personality by personality. I think, yeah, to Remy's point, there's so many variables, and figuring out which roles are good for remote, which roles are bad for remote, uh, is probably you know ninety percent of the friggin' science. And then other than that, it's hiring, right? Um, but um, yeah, we're two years into this, right? So who's got that figured out yet? But we're starting to see certain roles that people are like, yeah, they can do that remotely. We don't care. So it'll be interesting. So Blair, bottom line, where's the leverage lie? Is it with the employer or is it with the employee? Right now it's employee on, in, in what I call my dig, my discipline, my industry, my geography, my dig. Uh, it's still very much in the candidate's favor. There are roles that are starting to erode and, and the company's getting more power, but it just depends. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see on September 5th if there is an organized holdout at Apple. You know, I, I know that we had, there was a firm in Dallas that's in our industry, uh, a money manager, 
And we talked to some of their internal sales staff and they were like, yeah, this is last year. They were like, yeah, September 1st, they're saying we have to come back into the office. 14 of the 17 have agreed to hold out and not go back in. So they were creating a little coup, right? And so it'll be interesting to see if the tail can wag the dog or if that if that need for the paycheck and the career and all that will will eventually have people sort of acquiescing and going into work. Uh, so yeah, September 5th seems like it'll be pretty interesting. Well, Blair, you said it a couple of times, job market. The word market is in that phrase, all right? It's, it's like any other market in the known universe. It's run by supply and demand, okay? And if you look at the statistics right now, it does favor the employee. You know, one of the lowest unemployment rates we've seen in, in the history of our country, we've got 1.7 jobs available for every single person looking right now on top of everything else. Uh, they, they, can, they can call the shots, but guess what's going to happen if and when we fall into a recession? All right. All those people working from home are going to be running back to the office, praying to God, people like Mike Bartolotta, <laughs> see them in the door first before their other, before, you know, their, their, their peers. Okay. Because guess who's going to get axed? Guess who's going to get axed first is that person that didn't get their butt back in the office. Right. So that shift is going to happen because in markets, supply and demand move everything all over time. So pendulum swing for that reason. I don't know when it's going to happen to your point, but it's going to happen. I got a long memory. <laughs> so before we close out, Blair, you you also run a podcast called Namaster, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Namaster. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. So that was a that was a COVID thing. Uh, for six months, I had nothing to do as a recruiter. Right, no one was hiring. So uh, I created a podcast. I learned how to garden. Uh, I had some like D level uh, celebrity friends uh, in country music and painting and, and stuff like that. So originally, I just started interviewing them and just kind of interviewing people whose lives were, uh, were were interesting to me. And then, as much as I enjoyed it in 2000, oh, really at the end of 2020 when the election happened and the vaccine uh, occurred right around the same time. Everyone started hiring, and I had no time for my hobby uh, at all. So, so I, I didn't have time to, to market myself and get people to come in and interview. So in 2022, uh, this year, uh, I switched it and started interviewing people like yourselves. You guys have been on it, uh, that have a growth mindset, that are growing companies. They've had success in their life, but for one reason or another, they don't just move out to the Hamptons and call it quits. They just keep grinding, keep creating new companies, or keep growing things. And so this year I'm exploring the, um, the mindset uh, of people who are just always growth oriented. And so a lot of different people, uh, you know, have been on uh, probably the most listened to. I had Richard Bernstein, who used to be the chief strategist of Merrill Lynch. Uh, he was just on uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, with his president of his firm. Uh, that got a lot of uh, a lot of great feedback. But the name Namaster was part Namaste, part stir the pot, which is my personality and uh, that's what that's what my neighbor tagged me as uh and it just kind of stuck but you know i i like to uh, study eastern philosophy and do yoga and be holistic but i also love to give people enormous amounts of shit uh and um and so it just kind of fit my personality so i googled it it didn't exist i thought well i'll coin the word and, and created a podcast called namaster and and so have you trademarked it or, or, or copyrighted it? I have not. Uh, but yeah, it, I think maybe you should. I own a web. You better I be careful. We might jump too. on that and then sell it back to you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time we did something like that here. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to the Namaster Podcast. I'm glad to be on it as a guest now. Uh, yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys having me on yours. I've, I'm a fan. 
we appreciate you coming on. This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management, LLC and Darwin Advisors, LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there could be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.